Welcome to Centerpoint Church Podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. You can live your old life, or you can live your new life, but you can't live both. Join us this week as we continue our study in Ephesians. You may be seated. Welcome this morning. My name is Jamie Dykstra. I get to serve as lead pastor here for Centerpoint Church, and it's my privilege to welcome you into worship this morning. A special welcome to our Haywarden campus, to all of us who are also worshiping online and Channel 77. We're so grateful that you chose to worship uh, with us this morning. And uh, I just have a a couple announcements for you. Uh, First, um, Discover Centerpoint starts this week. Uh, there's opportunities for you to just show up today in, in Sioux Center. It's in room 117 in Hayward, and I think it's upstairs in the loft. So Discover Centerpoint starts today. And if you're new at Centerpoint Church, we've been expecting you. We are so glad that you're here. And here's one way to learn more about what Centerpoint Church is all about. So it's an opportunity for you to learn how you can participate in the life and be the church to engage in ministry here at Centerpoint Church. Maybe you uh, have not yet uh, signed up for Discover Centerpoint and you've been here for a long time, that's okay too. Today's a great day to sign up or to just show up. Now, I understand that this three-week uh, offering of Discover Centerpoint may not work for your schedule. So we have multiple offerings. One will be an evening offering too. You can go to Next Steps at both campuses and sign up for those and check that out. And maybe you've been through Discover Centerpoint and I'm so grateful that you have. Here's my invitation. Whether you're new to church, whether you've been here a long time, or whether you've done Discover Centerpoint once or multiple times, I'd invite you to do it again. I think it's a great refresher about who we are as a church and what what we're about. But even more importantly, I think we have a deep need for relationship. And and attending things like Discover Centerpoint, just a three-week commitment, gives you an opportunity to meet new people, to hear their story, to engage with each other. And I think it's going to make a difference whether it's your first time at Discover Centerpoint or your fourth time. So would you consider that? Um, either going today at both campuses or signing up to go in the next couple months. Discover Centerpoint starts today. One other opportunity this week, both campuses, this Wednesday we have a, a, a meal for everyone. So come over to Sioux Center. Uh, this will be right before Awana starts. Uh, invite a friend. Uh, we have plenty of food, so come and engage in community and life together. Uh, meal ministry is an awesome blessing, especially to families that have kids to get different places on a Wednesday night. So we're so grateful for all those who serve. And if this is something that you think you'd be really good at, we'd love to have you be part of the team. There's opportunity to serve on meal ministry and just stop by Next Steps again or call the office. We'd love to help get you involved, get you engaged, because you are the church. If, if, I've, if I've heard anything from the Lord in this Ephesus series, um, from Paul's writing in the book of Ephesians, it's you are the church. And it's such an opportunity to serve alongside you. I'm so grateful. This morning, we have the honor and privilege uh, to have Felix Theonograha, the president of Western Theological Seminary, uh, the seminary that, that helped train me for ministry, which I'm always going to be grateful for. He's going to join us, and he's going to speak, uh, he's going to preach in our series on Ephesus. Uh, so it's a great opportunity to have him here. Um, please participate in Haywarden too, just like you're here in the room with Felix. And uh, we're so grateful that he's here from Michigan and that he's bringing the word of the Lord to us this morning. God bless you. Let's welcome Felix.
Do that one more time. Good morning. Now you can hear me for real. It is such an honor for me to be here this morning here at Center Point Church. Over the last few years, I've gotten to know Pastor Jamie and Pastor Chris, both Western Theological Seminary graduates. I am so, good to know, so glad to know that you are in great hands. Uh, Evan Vermeer also is a, tr a trustee on our board, and he has been like that North Star, that, that, that steady compass that points me in the right direction. So it is such a joy and such an honor uh, for me to be here to worship with all of you, we have been praying for you. We have been uh, lifting you up and entrusting you to the Lord. And it is so good uh, to see you and, and, and just the, the spirit of hospitality and the sincerity of your faith uh, as you gather, as we gather to worship together with you. Friends, uh, as Pastor Jamie mentioned, I'm going to preach as a part of the uh, Ephesus series. Uh, and so if you will turn your Bible uh, to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, the book of Ephesians chapter 4, I'll be preaching from verses 17 to 30. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 30. Hear this word of the Lord. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learn. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, indeed you have sealed us with your Holy Spirit. Well, because of you, we can live as new creation. So today, as we hear the proclamation of your word, Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes so that we may see you more clearly. 
turn our ears toward you so that we may hear you more acutely and incline our hearts toward you, Lord, so that we may follow you more faithfully. In your name we pray. Amen. This is my fifth year serving as the president of Western Theological Seminary. Uh, if you didn't know, my very first public trip as the president of Western Theological Seminary in fall 2019 uh, was to here, to Northwest Iowa. As soon as I arrived in Holland, Michigan, I was told that, hey, you're going to travel, and the first place that you need to go is here in Northwest Iowa. Over the last four years, I've tried to come out, if not once a year, at least twice a year. I think there was one year in there where we, would, uh, where we came out three times in the year. And we would always try to be fair. You know, we started by staying in, holiday, in the Holiday Inn Express uh, here in Sioux Center. And then the people in Orange City got a little upset about that. So we stayed, went over to the Hampton Inn in Orange City. And then from then, we just kept going back and forth. This time, uh, my colleague, Rick Capitosto, found an Airbnb. Down in Orange City. And uh, he, he is a good steward of the finances that we have. So he forwarded to me and said, hey, we can stay in this house for the duration of the time that we're there. And we'll actually spend a lot of money. It was, it's, it's, we'll say about a third of the cost of, of reserving two rooms at a hotel in the area. And I said, great, let's stay in the house. Friends, you, you've been uh, to these Airbnb, VRBO homes, right? Everything is set up for you, it's furnished, and then you walk in and there's all these supplies and, and, and pots and pants and sheets and linens and towels, and, and, and you go and, and you use it for the duration of the time that you are there, uh, and then as you leave, like we did this morning, you are to leave it as you found it. Take out the trash, start the dishwasher, put the towels that you use, mark the rooms that you use so that the owner of the home can clean up the house and prepare it for the next guest. You leave the home as you discover it when you first arrive. Now, none of us do that when we're moving into a new home. In fact, my wife Esther likes to say that she doesn't feel fully moved into a home until she's painted every room in the house. Now, some of you are chuckling already, and as, as a young husband, when we first got married, I thought, oh, that's easy. Go ahead, honey. Go, let's go to Lowe's and Home Depot and Menards. Why don't you pick out the paint in your, pick out a paint color for each room? You know, I don't really, you know, I don't really have an eye for color and style, so you pick out any color that you want. So she will go and pick it out. What I've come to discover, and we've been married for about 19 years, what I've come to discover is that the paint is just the beginning. You see, she would paint the wall, and then she would say, um, the curtains don't match uh, the paint. Uh, and, and, and since the curtains, so you got to change the curtains, and then she would say, oh, the, the, the couch, the color of the couch clashes uh, with, the, with the curtains. And, and then so she would go and get new furniture, and then, and then uh, since the, once you buy the couches, she would say that the area rug it doesn't feel right. So next thing I know, something that began with paint resulted in a brand new living room set. <laughs> I've gotten a little wiser now, so I just tell her, honey, just go ahead and just tell me what you really want. Friends, this is actually a good analogy of the Christian life. When the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of God moves into a person, the Spirit gradually redecorates everywhere. 
The Holy Spirit does not just leave us alone as we are, but rather the Holy Spirit work in us and we work together with the Holy Spirit to make those changes so that we become more and more like Christ. And that's what I want to consider with you this morning. Here from this text, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 30, I want to suggest to you that the thrust of this text is that as followers of Jesus, just as we've sung this morning, as followers of Jesus, we must live a life that magnify Christ. As followers of Jesus, when people see us, they ought to see Jesus. And I want to suggest to you that there are two encouragements, two exhortations, if you will, that we can draw from this text on how we can live a life that magnifies Christ. And the first one is this. It is impossible to magnify Christ while still hanging on to our old life. Pastor Chris mentioned in the sermon last week that the book of Ephesians can be divided into two parts. Uh, the first part, chapter 1 to 3, is, 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 uh, are full of doctrines. And the second part, chapters 4 to 6, is full of the applications of those doctrines. You know that from the sermon series that one of the themes of this book is that of identity. Once we were dead in our sins, Ephesians 2 verse 1 tells us, but because of God's great love for us, 2 verse 4, God who is rich in his mercy has made us alive in Christ. This is all by grace, not because of our own works. The sovereign God, the prodigal father has reached down from heaven to us so that we as his creatures, as Pastor Jamie preached a couple of weeks ago, may know how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ for us. And because of God's great love, we are no longer foreigners and aliens and strangers to God, but we are now citizens of God's kingdom and members of God's household. Therefore, as children of God, Ephesians 4 verse 1 tells us, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. You are now a child of God. Live like it. And this is where Paul picks up in, four, in Ephesians 4, verse 17. What does it mean for us to live like a child of God? What does it mean for us as a church, as fellow brothers and sisters, to live as children of God? You see, the first thing is this. We have to throw off our old life. Verse 17, Paul said, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Friends, sometimes scripture is incredibly insightful about our human condition. To live as an unbelieving Gentile is to live as one who has futility in their thinking. The word that Paul uses here in the Greek text for futility can also be understood as empty, fruitless, useless, powerless, lacking in truth. It is often a word that is used to describe those who worship false idols. Their efforts are fruitless and useless because we know that the false idols are not real. It is an exercise in pointlessness to worship false idols. In other words, to worship anyone or anything other than the triune God, to live a life apart from God, is simply meaningless. 
This is also the same word that Paul uses in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, when he said, although they knew God, referring to the Gentiles, they did not glorify him as God or, giving, or give him thanks, but they become, became futile in their thoughts. This futility, you see, does not happen just overnight. It begins, as verse 18 in chapter 4 tells us, with the hardening of our heart, with the decision to not believe, to not respond to the call of God. And this hardening of our hearts lead to, a, to an ignorance of God. As we are detached and removed from God, we become increasingly ignorant about the goodness of God and what he's doing in our world. And this ignorance of God leads to a darkened spiritual understanding, which then in turn leads to a separation from God. What began with the hardening of the heart ends up with the pursuit of evil behavior. Things that promise, promise us so much. But the more that we yearn and thirst and strive and seek after these things, we discover that they are nothing but emptiness, vanity, and, and fruitless. So in response, we strive for more and more and more until we find ourselves indulging in every kind of sensuality and desires, full and filled with greed. We hunger and we thirst, we strive and we desire, yet remain, we remain unsatisfied because we know that ultimately what our restless hearts and souls need and desire is to find a kind of rest and fulfillment that can only be found in God and God alone. No wonder Jesus said to us, come to me, all you who are thirsty. Come to me and drink. St. Augustine, one of the church fathers, made the observation that while many people lead miserable lives, no one ever sets out to be miserable. No one ever decides one morning that I think I'm going to make it my purpose in life to just be the most miserable person there is. But he discovered that in his observation that one of the ways that people become miserable is because they have what he called a disordered love. Yes, in some ways, along the way, people choose to love the wrong things, he suggests, but really more precisely and more often is that we love the right thing in the wrong order. Sin, he said, ultimately is a lack of love for God and for our neighbor. He famously said, the essence of sin is disordered love. And friends, this is precisely the observation that Paul makes here in Ephesians chapter 4. You do not live a sinful life overnight. You do not become removed from God overnight. It begins with a disordered love. It's a stage followed by another stage, a hardened heart that leads to an ignorance of God, which leads to a darkened spiritual understanding, which leads to evil behavior, which leads and ends in an unquenchable, unsatisfiable, unfulfillable greed for anything but God and the things of God disorder love. But that's not you, Paul said. 
in verse 20, he said, this is not the life that you have chosen, children of God. You have heard about Jesus. And instead of hardening your heart, you have received him. And so instead of trying to live in, in accordance to your old life, cast off your old life and live into your new life. Because of what God has done, because you are a child of God, you can stop living your old life and live a new life. You cannot live both lives at the same time. It is like what that old hymn that was often sung in the Billy Graham Crusades say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Friends, may I suggest to you that we are currently living in a time where being a Christian will require a more willful and decisive decision each and every day to live as followers of Jesus. You see, from the beginning of our nation, Christians have enjoyed a decided majority. We have been living in a country and surrounded by a culture that makes it easy for us to float along and behave like we are followers of Jesus. Prior to moving to West Michigan, I live in the Chicagoland. And when I moved to West Michigan and Zealand, of all places, one of the early recommendations that I received was, Felix, don't you dare mow the lawn on Sunday, especially as the president of the seminary. We went to the public school, the middle school, and, and there was a huge sign behind her that said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We have enjoyed a culture that makes it easy to, point, to be pointed toward Christ, but also to float along and still be directed toward Christ. That is now changing. And the pandemic and COVID has, have really accelerated some of those changes. They are discovering and hearing that after COVID, the church attendance has been on the decline. Church membership has decreased. People who stayed home during the pandemic have not returned. And certainly there are many reasons for that. In many ways, Christian leaders and pastors have behaved hypocritically. And so as a result, many people are losing trust in pastors and the church. However, some studies have also suggested that the pandemic has helped to distinguish between people who are truly pursuing Jesus and following Jesus in their faith from people who are simply attending church because everyone else around them were also doing so. In fact, a recent study suggests that now across the United States, up to 30% of adults identify as religious nuns. N-O-N-E-S, people who do not believe in any specific faith at all. Those who identify as Christians are now just 63% of our country, down from 75% just 10 years ago. 
If this trajectory holds, this research done by Pew uh, suggests that by the year 2060, Christians will make up a minority of this country. We are entering a chapter in our religious history that we have not experienced before in our country, where to be a Christian is to belong to a religious minority in our culture. In order to thrive in such a context, we must take Paul's letter to the Ephesians here seriously. Following Jesus means that we cannot simply float along. It comes with the cost. It requires us to die to our old self and to put on a new self. It requires a renovation of our hearts. Over the last couple of years, Western Theological Seminary has been invited by Words of Hope to partner with them uh, to provide theological education to a group of persecuted Christians. For their safety and ours, I cannot say where those Christians are from, but suffice it to say that they are from a Middle Eastern country where being a Christian uh, would uh, cause you to lose your job and make it harder for you to find a job and may even land you in prison. Words of Hope came to us and said, hey, we have this group of Christians, and they are probably one of the fastest growing church around the world, despite the persecution, despite this oppressive and repressive state that they are living in. But some of these Christians are ready for more. They are yearning to grow in their theological understanding. So Western, would you create courses that these students can take so that they can deepen in their faith? So we agreed, and one of our theology professors uh, began to record these 15 to 20 minutes lectures that was then translated into their language. And a couple of weeks ago, a couple of us from Western uh, were, were able to go and meet these students and uh, 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 conducted a class followed by a conference. Toward the latter half of this gathering, a group of six people from this group of Christians, former Muslims, came to the leaders and said, we would like to be baptized. We have never been baptized before. Friends, this, is, this was no small ask. You see, for, for Muslims, they believe that someone can become a Christian, but as long as they are not baptized, there is still time for them to come back. Until you are baptized, there's still an opportunity for them to recant their faith, to deny Christ, and to come back and return as a good Muslim. But the moment you go through this sacrament, this ritual, this, this thing called baptism, you have passed the point of no return. There is no coming back from that. You are now lost. So it was no small thing for these six people to come and say, we would like to be baptized. And you can see that for one of them in particular, she was really wrestling with the decision because she knew that as the only Christian in her family, that becoming a Christian, being baptized, meant a certain and sure rejection. Not only from the culture from the society, but also from her own family. But they all came and were baptized because they knew that being a follower of Jesus is to renounce our old lives and to live into our new lives. 
You cannot live both lives at the same time. So this is the first encouragement that the text gives us about living a life that reflects Jesus. If you want to live a life as a, a child of God that magnifies Christ, you must renounce your old self and live as a new creation. The two cannot exist. Life without Jesus is futile. Life with Jesus leads to abundance. The second encouragement from the text is this. In order to live a life that magnifies Jesus, we must live in a way that reflects the characters of God. Verses 25 to 32 gives us a series of pairings of, of, of essentially don't do this, do that. So the first one is, is don't speak falsehood, speak truthfully. The second pairing is do not sin while you're angry. Instead, resolve your anger before the sun goes down. The third, do not steal, do work, do something useful with your hands. And then finally, do not let any unwholesome talk come from your mouth. Do speak what is helpful to one another. And then having covered these four things, Paul proceeds to tell us the why. In verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. There are a couple of things that we can conclude from this passage. The first is that it's possible for us to behave in such a way that would grieve God. Just as a, a child can act in a way that would grieve their parents or, or, a, or a husband or a wife could act in such a way that would grieve their spouse, we too can act in a way as the children of God that would grieve God. But second of all, the reason, the second thing that we can also glean from this passage is that we are capable of living a life that reflects God because we do so not on our own strength, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are no longer just our own, but we are sealed with the Holy Spirit who has sealed us for the day of redemption. And you see, friends, because the Holy Spirit is in us, then we know that the changes that we need to make, living the new life in Christ, is not simply about a list of do's and don'ts or a list of surface level or behavioral changes, but rather it is a list of things, it's behaviors and actions that emanate, that flow out of, that come out of who we are, our new identity in Christ. Not as foreigners and strangers, those who are dead to sin, but rather as beloved children of God. Acting in a way that reflects the values and the character of God is what it means to be a child of God, to be part of the family of God. In other words, as followers of Jesus, we are now able to resist and put aside the things that we read in verse 29. Things like bitterness, anger that leads to sin, wrath, falsehood, slanders, rage, and every kind of malice. But rather, because God has recreated us through Christ and sustained by the Holy Spirit so that we may live a life of righteousness and holiness, we can act, we can live with compassion, forgiveness, mercy, 
kindness, humility, and gentleness. True followers of Jesus exhibit the character of God in a way that we interact with one another. And when we do so, we reveal the true character of God. We magnify Christ. Let me share with you one story that I hope will drive this point home. It's a little bit vulnerable for me because for many of you, we barely met. And I'm going to tell you a story that, that would maybe just put me on the wrong side of the ledger. I might be embarrassed and ashamed for the rest of my time here in Northwest Iowa. My name is Felix, as Pastor Jamie shared earlier, and it means happy. You know, for most people who know me, they go, oh, yeah, huh, your parents cannot pick a good name. I tend to be a happy guy. I, I, I joke that I am an eternal optimist. You know that story where you, you have a glass of water half-filled, and some people say, oh, that, that glass is half-filled, and others say it's, it's half-empty. I'm just happy that I have a glass. <laughs> In many ways, the name really does describe who I am, my personality. But there's one context where my name really doesn't come out, and that's at my children's sporting events. One time when my daughter uh, was at her soccer game, she's only about 14, right? She's 14 right now, so this was about when she was 9 or 10, somewhere around there. We were in a soccer match, and it was intense. The, 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 the game was close. Uh, we were down by a goal, and, and I kept been watching the center referee all game. And I noticed that he would barely venture more than 10 yards beyond the center line. And friends, if you have played soccer, if you have children who play soccer, you know that the instruction for the referees is not to be within 10 yards of the center line, but to be within 10 yards of the ball. And so finally, with this close game, I began to notice that he was having a hard time seeing whether the ball was inbounds or out of bounds when it gets to the corner, whether the players were fouling one another because he was a good 50, 60 yards away. So me being the helpful, wonderful person that I am, I decided to help him out. I decided to tell him, that's out of bounds. The ball is still in. And at one point, I stood up and said, that's a foul. Well, he really appreciated my help. <laughs> he started jogging over to me, and at one point he took out his whistle, and he came up to me, and he said, do you want to blow the whistle too? I should have taken that whistle. <laughs> There's still a part of me that still really regrets saying no. Pray for me. That, that happened when I was still in Chicagoland. I realized that after I moved to West Michigan that I, that I really shouldn't do that anymore. Especially after the first game when the referee came up to me and said, are you the reverend doctor? And I said, depends on who's asking. And he said, my wife used to work for Western Theological Seminary. It hit me that my behavior at a soccer match would reflect on Western. What if I yelled at somebody and the next day it turned out that that person is an elder at the church that I'm preaching at? I realized that I have to behave differently. Friends, in the same way, the way that we behave as Christians is at an even higher stake. 
the way that we act, the way that we treat one another, the way that we interact with one another, is not simply a reflection on ourselves, but it's a reflection on our God who loves us so much that he gave us his one and only son to die for us on the cross so that through him we may experience forgiveness, grace, and mercy and enter into an abundant life. So my questions, my questions for you today. As fellow sisters and brothers in Christ, people who have been sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption, as fellow children of God whose lives are not our own, but who have been bought with a price, how are you doing in putting off your old self? What are the kind of things that we have to continue to put off? And what aspects of our new self do we have to put on? A few days ago, I drove up to Rock Rapids with Rick, and I met with a friend of the seminary. We had a wonderful lunch. We had a wonderful discussion. He was talking to me about Cicero and, and all these different texts that he's been reading. Clearly a wonderful, thoughtful gentleman. As we concluded uh, our lunch, uh, he asked me where I was going next. And I told him, that oh, we're going to go visit Jack. And uh, he's hopefully doing some harvesting, and I've never been in a combine before, and, and I would like to do a ride-along. At that time, I was wearing a suit, a jacket. And this dear, faithful, sweet, and kind gentleman just looked at me, looked at my coat, and started laughing. <laughs> and I said, what, what's wrong? He said, son, you better give yourself a new coat, because it gets mighty dusty in there. It gets real dusty when you get on a combine. You're not going to be able to wear that coat again. So you might as well get a new one. And I started panicking. I'm like, oh, no, what am I going to do? Can I just take it off? I don't really have another coat. And he started laughing at me, and he goes, just kidding. They have these new cabs nowadays, air conditioning and everything. You'll be fine. He totally got me. But his point stood. If your clothes get dusty, then it's time to put on new clothes. And friends, this text reminds us that our old self, our life apart from God, our life that is mis a life that is misaligned with God, kicks up a lot of dirt and dust. They get dusty. And we can't follow God and still wear our old life. As followers of Jesus, as those who desire to magnify God, it's time for us to put on new clothes and live into the new life that we have in Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy and your love that is wide, deep, and high. And Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit through whom we are sustained to live a new life, a life that reflects your character. So Lord, we ask that as we go from this day, that you would help us to continue to throw off the sin that entangles and help us, Lord God, to act 
and live in such a way that magnify you and you alone. Pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship on Sundays at 930.